Welcome to episode 61 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener and you enjoy the show, it would be a big time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on both Apple and Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we would appreciate it so, so much. If you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. The Toronto Maple Leafs did it again, losing in the first round of the playoffs for the sixth year in a row. Disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. I have a lot to get off of my chest. And someone else has a lot to get off of their chest as well. And his name is Mr. Michael Lapore. Lapore, let's just get right into this. <laughs> How are you doing? No introduction. Let's just get right into it. But dare you ask how I'm doing? Dare you ask? Because you're not... Bruno was one of like the 70 people to text me as the horn went uh, to ask me how I was doing. But we'll save it. Uh, we'll save the discussions for a little later. Right now, uh, a brief time for some happy stuff. Episode 61 of the Glens for Punishment podcast. Shout out goes to Nick Patan, who had a brief stint with the Maple Leafs. Uh, I, I call Nick Patan a world junior goodie. He was there to help uh, Canada win a gold medal in 2015. He scored a hat trick against uh, Slovakia in the semifinal. I had high hopes for Nick Patan. Skilled guy. He can put the puck in the net. Things just didn't work out for him in Toronto. And uh, now he is in the Canucks organization. And again, he had a hard time getting in the lineup, but uh, we'll see what happens with his future. Nick Patan, one of only, one of the uh, only two players in history to wear a number 61 for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I, I actually thought he was going to be a better player as well. Like he was Me also too. in the Jets organization. And yep. like you said, the stuff that he did for Team Canada, yep. really solid, skilled player. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a guy that it, he's easy to root for a guy like hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. But Lepore, before we get into this and like I said, before we get all of these thoughts off of mm -hmm. our chest and talk through this therapy session, if you will, yeah. um, we have a special announcement to make. Yeah. Love doing these. The, uh, John Tavares Jersey giveaway. We have a winner. In the very first video, there was an individual with the Instagram handle. Uh, I just want to make sure I get it right. Booger Bob Wallace, who uh, predicted the uh, Lightning to win the series in seven. It was actually a comical response. He did it as kind of like a reverse jinx, admittedly so. But it doesn't matter. He was right. So Booger Bob, uh, we fired you a message on Instagram. So check that out. We'll need your full mailing address so we can get you your uh, John Tavares jersey as soon as possible. Love it. Congrats, Booger Bob Wallace. Yeah, man. We loved your response. Well, we didn't um, love his response. Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> we we hated the result of the yeah. series, the Lightning yeah. winning in seven games. But Booger Bob, awesome response. It had us cracking up. So congrats to you on winning the John Tavares jersey giveaway. Yeah, wear it proudly. <laughs> wear it proudly. Wear it proudly as a proud member of GFP Nation. Yeah, Bob Wallace. All right, Lapore, let's get right into this. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot to get off my chest because I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter and social media talking about how proud they are of this Leafs team. 
okay. for fighting against the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. I do not fall under that category whatsoever. Okay. And before I get that off my chest, are there any initial thoughts you want to give about what we just witnessed this past weekend with the Leafs blowing another series, in my opinion, up 3-2, home ice advantage, and they lost the last two games to fall in seven. Just, it just can't happen. I'm sorry, it can't. I don't, I don't care who they're playing. It just can't happen. You know, but I'm going to let you go. You, you seem pretty pumped up. You go, and then I'll respond. Okay, okay, I'll go first. So I was watching uh, Steve Dangle's reaction. Oh, yeah. He was doing the live stream watching game seven. And after it ended, he was talking about how proud he was and how it wasn't like last season, how last season was essentially a choke job against the Montreal Canadiens, the worst team of the 16 in the Stanley cup playoffs or this year, it was different. It was the Stanley cup champions. They're battle tested. They know how to win. They have all these great players, Andre Vasilevsky. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not in that camp, man. I'm just not. And here's why. I thought the Leafs were the better team throughout this series. And I thought it was extremely close, but I thought the Leafs were the better team. But as we know, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the better team doesn't always win. But it has now been three years in a row, Lepore, where the Leafs have had home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs and have been the better team, at least in my opinion, when you look back at the Columbus series, the Habs series, and now this series. They were up 3-2, and they had two cracks to close this thing out, and they failed to get the job done. So that's number one. Number two, it's the stupid mistakes that they made in the final two games of this series. And I go back to game six, okay? Everyone's talking about the phantom high stick call that hit Cal Foot in the shoulder, and he whips his head back. First of all, that's a very difficult call for the ref to make in the moment. They can't yeah. review that. So, okay, it was a bad call, whatever. What I have an issue with is what Kerfoot did 200 feet from his own net, high-sticking Victor Hedman in the face. That was just beyond stupid. Then you have that Kerfoot giveaway. Then you have the Mikheyev giveaway at the blue line, which led to that shorthanded goal. Yeah. I mean, the mistakes just pile up in big moments for this team, Lepore. And we'll get into the whole officiating fiasco what happened in game seven which negated that john Tavares goal that was awful and listen i think for the most part the officiating was bad throughout this series and i think it went against the leafs more times than not and that's extremely frustrating and if you're going to blame the refs honestly it's hard to argue with that but i look at these little mistakes that were made in these big moments and i think back to last year you know the alex galchenyuk giveaway at the blue line Travis Dermott's giveaway in game six, which led to the Esperi Kotkaniemi goal when the Leafs were peppering the Habs in that overtime. So I look back at these little moments and these mistakes that this team seems to make every year in these big moments. And then on top of the fact, Lepore, the star players on Toronto, I'm sorry, I, I didn't think they were good enough in game seven. And I know Matthews had that nice pass back to Morgan Riley, which led to the tying goal. But Andre Vasilevsky was the best player in game seven. And that's what mattered. And I thought that the Leafs star players, even though John Tavares did score and the goal was taken away, I thought 
They didn't rise to the occasion. And you look across the NHL, Connor McDavid, monster game seven, played over 27 minutes for Edmonton in their 2-0 victory. Johnny Gaudreau, overtime winner for the Calgary Flames. Artemi Panarin, $11 million man for the New York Rangers, scores the overtime winner in game seven to knock out Pittsburgh. And then you look at the Leafs, and that just simply did not happen. So those are my initial thoughts on the series, and I'm upset, and that's why I'm not, I'm not proud of this team, honestly, because I had way bigger expectations for them, and I think that they fell short again in a situation that they should have won. Yeah. The word proud is a strong word. Like, did Dangle actually use the word proud? Like, I'm proud of this group? I'm 99% sure he was talking about how proud he was of the team. Yeah. And, and just how it was different from, from past years. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with that, but I'm not going to have, I'm not going to spit out those words after a loss. We were proud of them when they lost to Washington because they were a bunch of kids making the playoffs Absolutely. for the first time and put up a fight six years later, the expectation or the standard I should say is to win. So I'm not going to use the word proud. I do think this year is different because of who they lost to it did go seven and the stars for the most part played well in the series to me anyway where it was lost was game six during game six i mean you already mentioned the kerfoot giveaway and the uh, mckayev giveaway i was having flashbacks of the montreal series like as you mentioned you made the comparison because this team just finding a way to lose so it's almost incredible that this team went seven games with Tampa Bay, kind of gift wrapping some wins to the Lightning. I mean, they didn't, the, 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 the game too was similar. The Leafs made a lot of mistakes giving Tampa opportunities. Then they didn't show up at all in game four. Again, it's pretty incredible that this, seri this series did go seven games. But to me, it was lost. It was lost in game six. The way that game started, how the first things first, my feeling was Tampa can't score right away. We're up three to two. The crowd's going to be nuts. They can't score right away. The whole weather, the storm cliche, maybe get out of the first period, zero, zero. Toronto looked great. I thought in that first period, Agreed. just, they kept it calm. They kept it neutral. And it's one of those things. And I said the same thing about Tampa in game seven, the longer the away team kept the score at zero, zero, the better it was for them. So to me, Toronto being deep into the first period where 0-0 was a great thing. I felt really confident as that period was going on. And then you have the Kerfoot giveaway. Just unbelievable. Like again, hashtag Leafs, okay? So you get out of the first period, down by one, not the end of the world, okay? But then that Mikheyev giveaway. These are unbelievable, man. Like th these are, these are crazy brain farts in game 47 of the regular season. They have to happen in game six of a series. You're up three to two. Just yeah, craziness. It's, it's just unacceptable. Like it's, it's as simple as that. And people are going to make excuses. You can't be making boneheaded decisions and mistakes like that in these big moments. You just can't. Yeah. Like they're simple. It's like, there's two ways to look at it. When, when things happen like that, like the Galchenyuk giveaway or the Dermot, the Dermot giveaway last year. To me, it changes your mindset. It's almost like you can look at the series in a way of like, fuck, it was just like the worst timing in the world for these things to happen. But then there's the other side that says like, don't let them happen. Like don't make those mistakes. 
you can't gift wrap a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning goals. And going into game seven, I had about I had the bad feeling. And people say, oh, just me being a Leafs fan, just, you know, from my past and whatever, because I knew game six was the game. And even how they fought back, even how they fought back, like, again, like the, the, the historical hockey god things do not exist with the Toronto Maple Leafs. For the Leafs to be down 2 nothing on the road in Tampa in a game they can clinch a series, have that span where they score three goals to go up three to two going into the third, Again, historical hockey god stuff, it's over. Yeah, you, you think it's over 100%. Oh, my seal God. Seal it up. Good night, Tampa. You deflated that team. They showed Tampa's bench, just like uh, bench guys, just like shaking their head. Leafs are fired up. They go in with the league going into the third period. And again, the Leafs started the third period the way they started the first period. I think there like, wasn't a whistle for the first like five or six minutes. That penalty may have been the first whistle. Correct me if I'm wrong, the first high-sticking penalty. And to me, with that point, and this is where I'll say, again, well, it fell in the third period of game six and then creeped into game seven. Somebody out there try to convince me that the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't cursed. Try to convince me. Because the high sticks, whatever, like you said, that's a super hard call to make. Like people blaming, blaming the referees. But again, just like the timing of it, God forbid, God forbid that didn't happen at that exact moment. And then Kerfoot 30 seconds later in a game, we're up three to two unbelievable. Don't tell me this, this team isn't cursed. It's impossible. But one thing I will say, and I was shocked and call me a Homer on this one here. You have a team get a five on three in the third period of a game they are down in a series three to two. Am I wrong to say that I was expecting Toronto to get a power play? No, I think at that point, if you're going to give a team a five on three in the third period of a game six, you would think that the favor would be returned to the Leafs. And again, yeah. it might, it sounds ridiculous. To yeah, say, it, so, but, it's, it sounds ridiculous. And it this is how like NHL, but this is how, how the it NHL goes. Works. Exactly. It's how it don't tell me that's not how it goes. And again, God forbid, God forbid, like the Leafs would have gotten a call and got an opportunity, opportunity to win. And again, like the overtime, it's like, again, like you lose this series and you look back. And that's why these judgments are so hilarious. Kerfoot, like Kerfoot had, is that like, I don't say like the worst game I've ever seen a Toronto Maple Leafs player play, but just like the biggest nightmare. The guy gives the puck away on the first goal, gets the high sticking uh, penalty to make it a five on three. And then has the best chance of overtime. Again, and again, like, don't tell me the Leafs aren't cursed. God forbid it goes in. Like the story of like the guy who fucked them earlier in the game scores the winner. It would have happened to everyone else, but no, it, it, it gets made worse. Was it McKayev who had another chance in overtime? Yeah, McKayev had a really nice chance. The Leafs had like, I want to say four like really good looks in overtime. Weren't they? They were shooting like six to one or something. In overtime yeah, I'm looking at the, to the totals right now, Lepore. They out, they ended up out shooting Tampa nine five in that there OT. You there you go. It, it's it's so frustrating. And, and you said it, man. I was I was sitting on the couch for game six and game seven. And I'm just thinking, like, can, can a puck just go in off someone's ass? Oh, my God. Or someone <laughs> skate or something for I once? Know. I like know. one time. I know. It's unbelievable and- because if you even look at the goal that, like, Braden Point scored in overtime. 
Exactly. Like it wasn't a great goal. No. And then even going to game seven, the two goals that Nick Paul scored, they're like these bang, bang plays. I, I cannot believe that second yeah. goal where he's like, I think honestly it was by accident where he was like dangling through Brody's skate. Oh yeah. It just hit his foot and went to his stick. You know what he was doing. Like no has way. Nick Paul ever pulled anything off like that in his life? And I Again, know he scored some, <laughs> God, I know he scored some big goals. Like he scored the big goal for Canada in the world championships, but I mean like a, a high skill level play like that, where he's literally dangling through a, a, a really solid defenseman skates and, and sniping one home for, for the go ahead goal. Like it's just, honestly unbelievable again like the curse thing i like to look up how many two goal games has nick has uh, nick paul had in his entire career uh, game seven against a uh, john maple leaves night of his life he's a mississauga boy i believe too so of course he's got to do it and i like, think i was thinking the same thing as you like again and I, i'm gonna say like the leafs are unlucky like you can be the biggest like leafs hater in the world they're fucking unlucky in these games like, God forbid, like, God, and, and it's all these things. I know we'll talk about, like, if you want to talk about, like, the Tavares call, I, I kind of go the same way as I go with those five on three uh, with the penalties that led to the five on three in game six. We can sit here and debate, was it a pick? Was it interference? Some people are saying one popular take is it was, but not the way the game was called at that point. Would you have called that? But again, God forbid it, get, it doesn't get called and the Leafs get that break. God forbid. Unbelievable. It's just, it's, it's stuff like that. And again, that's not me taking blame away from them too, but there is the factor of things have to go your way a little bit. And the, the Leafs, again, they just, they just don't get it. And like people here are saying, I mean, Canada's laughing at us right now. Okay. And they're allowed to, they're allowed to like Dangle touched on that. I watched that video where, you know, it is what it is and good for them. The Oilers and the flames are both in the second round. The Oilers needed seven to beat the Los Angeles Kings and won a close game in game seven. Calgary, Dallas, Dallas. It took seven games and they won in overtime of game seven. And I was watching last night. I think Dallas got the first four or five shots of overtime. Oh, and there was that, that thing overtime in- was nuts. That oh, could have gone either game. way. I was watching that whole overtime. It was Back and forth. And even though the Flames like heavily outshot them in the game, Dallas had some chances, man, to win that game. It was more, I was sitting there like second period. I'm like, Dallas is going to win. Like I, that thing in me, like it, it just sucks, but that the better team's going to lose. But I just it had felt that like feeling. Leafs Habs, honestly. Yeah, that's a good way. That's a good way to put it. But when you win a series like these, you got lucky. There was luck. And that's not me saying, oh, you won simply because of the fact you were lucky, but you need like the bounce. If if you go over chances, say in these game sevens, I'm sure there was a million where it hit someone and just went wide or hit someone and went in or like even Goudreau shot, like he picked that corner. Like it's inches, it's inches. That's it. And like, so again, you deserve your win. You hundred percent deserve your win, but hockey is such an erratic sport that things have to go your way and it just doesn't have ever never happens for the leaves. And you can't convince me that it, you can't, you can't look me in the face, call me Homer all you want. You can't be like, Oh, it does go your way. Like, come on. Like we just went over the Dermot turnover, the uh, Galchenyuk turnover. What happened to Kerfoot? Like unbelievable, man. The Tavares call, like one of these things, like one, just give, give us one. But again, we signed up to be Leafs fans. So, I mean, rest of our life, we'll, we'll be, we'll be seeing moments like this. 
you want to talk about unlucky Lapore? I'm sure people have seen this stat floating around on Twitter. For those of you who haven't seen it, no, don't tell me. <laughs> it's from the account at Stats by Stats. Oh, I think I know where you're. It's I'm it's a reputable that. source. They sent out a tweet after Game Seven saying the Maple Leafs are the first team in MLB, NBA, and NHL history to lose a winner-take-all game in the opening round of the playoffs five years in a row. Awesome. You almost wouldn't be able to do that even if you tried. That's my thing with the luck. And if you say, oh, the Bruins is not, it went seven. A, a series that goes seven can go either way. I hate to break it to everyone, but there, there's luck involved. There's bounces involved. It, it's insane, it's- Lepore. If me and you were coaching a team in five consecutive winner-take-all opening round series – in, in, in game seven, game five, whatever it is. And we told our team, guys, go out there and lose this game. If we did that five years in a row, I bet you we'd win one. Yeah, sure. I bet you just by luck, we'd win one of those five games. Yeah. With, if like we Matthews, literally Nardis, went Tavares out there and, and told Neilander. our team to lose the game. <laughs> that, that, that's how insane this is. Yeah. And I want to be clear. This is not Bruno and I just saying the Leafs are unlucky and that's why they lost. You don't win, you don't win. And people can say, oh, you earn luck and 100% you do. It's just that with the Leafs, it is pretty comical. Like we're making fun of ourselves here is, is what we're doing. Like, it, it's it's true, really and truly unbelievable. But yeah, it, it's hilarious. Like, listen, I, I'm extremely disappointed. I had big expectations for this team. Yeah. Personally, I think they blew it. But at the same time, like Lapore said, I 100% agree. I think they are just extremely unlucky as well. Yeah. Because how do you do this five years in a row? You lose a winner-take-all game in the first round of the playoffs. Like, it's, it's almost impossible to do even if you tried, yeah. really. I mean, One- it, it comes down to that. And I think both things can be true at the same time, where you can be extremely disappointed and think that they blew the series, but also understand that there's a lot of luck involved. And for whatever reason, it just never falls the way of the Leafs. Yeah, that's that's the right way to put it. That you can that you can feel both ways. But and I, I know at a time like this, people don't want to hear like calm, rational thought. They want to hear a scream and yell and swear. And I'm sure there'll be a lot more swearing on this pod, probably more than normal. But I've always, well, always, I've recently argued against the whole the Leafs can't get past the first round argument. And this group can't do it. And here's why. First things first, I don't really give a shit about winning a round as far as like how I judge a team. Like, for example, if Edmonton loses to Calgary, I won't be like, wow, the Oilers, you know, they had a good year because they won around and beat LA and vice versa. Like last night, Calgary, again, things have to go your way to win a game seven. Can you imagine the disaster that would have been? If Calgary lost to Dallas after the season they had, even now I'll say it, if they lose to Edmonton, you got a second round opponent. Calgary got Dallas and Edmonton. Yeah, they got to beat Edmonton. Oh my God. Like I'd like to look back. It's like, is there an easier first two rounds in like recent hockey history? Like, come on. And that's not shit on Edmonton. Specifically, I'm just saying like as a second round opponent, like Edmonton back to Edmonton for a second, Laporte, they took seven games to beat a Kings team without Drew Doughty and Victor Arvidsson, who is one of their top scorers this year, on a team that isn't very good at putting the puck in the net and not having Victor Arvidsson. It's not like he's a star. And they were down 3-2 in the series. That's That that would would have been a a disaster for Edmonton. But like you said, I mean, Calgary's the better team. And yeah, this is a pretty, I would say, pretty easy first couple of rounds for this Calgary Flames team. 
Yeah. So like, like to me, like my, my judgments always, I think the line for me is the conference finals. If it, if a team makes the conference finals, regardless, in most cases, anyway, based on the draw, they can look at it and be like, that's an accomplishment. Like you beat two playoff teams. And if you have a hard fought uh, battle in the third round, that's an accomplishment. The whole like first round thing, like as far as like a least fan goes, yeah, I'm disappointed and I'm frustrated as fuck that it keeps happening. But had we won game six or seven and lost to Florida, say in the second round, I wouldn't be like, woohoo, well, the, the Leafs made progress. That doesn't mean next year they're going to make the third round or win the copper be better next year. And the fact that a team loses in the first round this year, even made the playoffs, didn't make the playoffs this year for that matter, doesn't mean they won't win the cup next year. It's time for a quick break for a word from our sponsors at Manscaped. You asked for it and they listened. They just relaunched the ultra smooth package. It's back, baby. Your new favorite tool and complement to the Lawnmower 4.0 to keep your boys smooth while looking and feeling their best. This specialized groin shaving kit is here to help you buff, protect, and shave your most sensitive areas. It's time to get right to the root with a discount for you from Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code GFP20. Lapore, Manscaped just never disappoints, man. Unlike the Toronto Maple Leafs, Manscaped absolutely never disappoints. We're sad, everyone. We're depressed. We're questioning the meaning of life right now. It's all very negative. So why not try to find some positive with some good, clean, smooth balls, courtesy of the products at Manscaped. You said it, man. You might be questioning the Toronto Maple Leafs, but you will never question the amazing products from Manscaped. They never always, always come through in the clutch. So get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. Smooth out your fellas with the relaunch ultra smooth package from the fellas at Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. They will. Going deeper on them not being able to get out of the first round and this judgment that's had with them. This was the sixth year of the Matthews, Marner, Willie era. Okay. And you said all six years they get in and they lose in the first round. I have consistently made the point that the Leafs are judged with regard to their playoff success far harsher than they deserve because they made it right away. Whereas you, you look at other groups and it takes them three, four years to even make the playoffs and maybe, and then maybe even they make it, they miss. So people almost like look at their initial growth. The first year they made the playoffs, even though it might be say four years into their career. And I went back like Lapore the geek did some research and look back. I love it. Okay. <laughs> we'll see in the comments how much people love it. And again, shit on as much as you want, but fucking angry. So I took some time to get my mind off things and uh, did some uh, hockey digging. So uh, Stamkos was drafted first overall in 2008, Hedman in 2009. Okay. So let's take a look at the first nine years, uh, first nine years, first six years of Steven Stamkos. 09, missed playoffs. 2010, missed playoffs. 2011, they made the Eastern Conference Final, which is kind of weird the way it sandwiches in between. 2012, missed playoffs. 2013, missed playoffs. 2014, they lost in the first round, swept by the Montreal Canadiens. So in their first six seasons, there was only one. They, they got past the first round. They made the Conference Finals. 
and the, in, in the, in the five others and four of them, they were, they uh, missed the playoffs completely. And then the other one, they were swept. So I'll ask someone, I'll ask someone what's a better six years. And I, I would take the debate of at least they made the conference finals once. But if you look at the three years that follow that conference final uh, advancement, missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs, swept in the first round by Montreal. So we could even sit here saying, well, this is the sixth year of Matthews Marner Nylander, and they lost in seven to Tampa by one goal. Whereas six years in a Stamkos' career, he was out in the first round to Montreal and they got swept. Okay, moving on, the Capitals. Ovechkin and Green were drafted in 04, Backstrom in 05, Carlson and Holpe in 08, Kuznetsov in 10, and Wilson in 12, okay? So we'll start with the Ovechkin years. 06, missed the playoffs. 07, missed the playoffs. 08, lost in first round. 09, they did win a round, lost in the second round. 2010, lost in first round. 2011 and 12, lost in the second round. 2013, lost in the first round. 2014, missed the playoffs completely. So again, debate which one's better. Debate which start of their careers are better in terms of playoff success. And this is not me making excuses. This is me saying like, careful with the judgment of it's been six years in a row. This team can't do it. If these guys were 30, I'd be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like we, we have major, major problems here. And I do think there are problems and I do think there are changes. I'm just making the point, like comparatively, I, I think people are quick to look at Chicago, LA and Sid coming into the pens. Like those were the teams where they those were anomalies, but they got their entry level at entry level deals. They kicked off right away and they were good right away and made runs right away, especially like Chicago. Like it was blasphemous how good this team was, that team was. And even too moving forward to teams advancing this year, I'm going to talk about the Canadian teams, Calgary and Edmonton. Monahan was drafted in 2013. Goudreau was drafted in 2011. His rookie season was 14, 15. Anderson, 15. Manjapane, 15. Kachuk, 2016. 2015. Lost in the second round. 2016, missed playoffs. 2017, lost in first round. 2018, missed playoffs. 2019 and 2020, lost in first round. Last year, missed the playoffs completely. Again, not good. Compared to the first six years of the lead score, and the last one will do because I'm sure everyone is bored at this point, the Oilers. Darnell Nurse was drafted in 13. Hell, we can go all the way back to the first, uh, the first round picks, the Oilers, but we'll start in 2013. 2013, Darnell Nurse. 2014 was Drysidle. 2015 was McDavid. Uh, 2016 they missed the playoffs. 2017 they did win a round, made and uh, lost in the second round. 2018, 2019 missed the playoffs. 2020 lost in the qualifying round. 2021 uh, lost in the first round to the Jets last year. Compare, tell me which one's better. Which one's better? And again, that is not me saying that there aren't major, major problems here. Such a major problem. It's 115 point team. But I, I'll be the first one to admit the Leafs have to be better. I do look at the lineup, and maybe we can get to that a little later. There are certain things that for this team to get to that next level, and almost like that fuck you contender, like where I put Colorado and Tampa, some changes have to be done to the lineup and some insertions have to be made. But I'm just making the point, comparing it to teams that have won in the past and comparing it to teams that have now made the second round in this year's playoffs, you can argue the Leafs have had a better first six years in terms of their core goes. I guess that's my main argument. I'm arguing against the take that this core will never do it or this core has to be blown up. Like they're just not right. And to that and comment down below, I always challenge people, oh, they just can't do it. 
They don't have the heart. They don't have the character. Tell me a team in the history, in the history of the NHL that had the talent, but just couldn't get past the first round. No. Eventually they broke through. Like I'll say it, like being someone from Ottawa, the Sens always got shit on because they couldn't get past the Leafs and they had a very talented team. Oh, you know, no heart, no character. They made a conference final. They made a Stanley. That group made a Stanley Cup final, like Alfredson and co. So they did break through. The other one would have been the obvious one, San Jose. Like that team, based on their lineup, should have won at least one cup. But again, they were making conference finals. They were making the final. It just never went their way. And then maybe you can make an argument for Nashville-ish. But again, like they made runs. They just never got it done. And you need the luck, like as we touched on earlier. But no team comes to mind for me that they just can't win around. Like they're, they're that much of a bunch of losers that they just, oh, they've all the talent in the world and they can't win around. I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Very well done, Lapore. Woo. I love We're going to take it. a five minute break, everyone. <laughs> take a breath. I love it. No, you, you have established that the Leafs have had a better start to their, you know, their era of young guns, less, let's call it, than Washington, Tampa, Calgary, and Edmonton all of which missed the playoffs multiple times those first six seasons. And the Leafs, because they make the playoffs every year, going back to 2016-2017, when Matthews, Marner, and Nylander all broke into the league as rookies, they have never missed the playoffs in six years. Think about that. They have never easily missed the, made playoffs. the playoffs. And easily made the playoffs in five of them. It's just wild to think about it. And I do agree. Listen, I... I I don't want to defend the Leafs completely because, again, there's a lot of expectations on this team. (laughs) And I think we can both agree, Lepore, that they're good enough, honestly, to make – they were good enough this year, I think, to make a run of the Stanley Cup. I think any smart hockey fan who's been following this team, would it would be hard to disagree with that, honestly. At the end of the day, any team that pushes the Tampa Bay Lightning to seven games – you're good enough to make a run. Like, like, don't tell me that. Come on. Like you are. But one thing that jumped out at me, and again, perspective, when I was going over these uh, these seasons of these teams and even the Leafs. So in the Leafs' third year, they lost to Boston. Of course they did. So in Washington, Boston, Boston. So that Boston team lost in the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay? So again, a little bit of perspective. Here we were, the first ones to shit on that team. The Leafs second in a row, can't beat the Bruins, the big bad Bruins, more heart than we have, all this stuff. The core was what? Matthews, Marner, and Nylander were what? 21 years old? 21 years old. Our expectations were that they were going to beat a team, win a game seven on the road against a team that made the Stanley Cup final. I I just made the point, I just uh, went through Calgary. It took uh, Goudreau like three, four years to make, to make the NHL after he was drafted. And we expected that we expected that group to go into Boston and win a game seven. And again, that's not me completely, let, completely, let, uh, completely letting them off the hook. I'm just uh, stepping back for a second and saying, you know what? Like things from the perspective of this group and this core aren't as bad as they seem. And like I said before, people don't want to hear that right now. They're pissed. They're angry. Tears have been shed. I'm sure TVs have been smashed. I'm sure uh, there was a lot of calls to the police for, uh, so I'm pretty sure I was going to get uh, a call or a bylaw was going to show up to my door in games. And when Nick Paul scored that second goal, like 
I yelled an F-bomb so loud. I'm yeah, my neighbors are definitely calling the bylaw on me. But I heard one guy on Twitter said he smashed in his 80-inch TV. He's like, he's like, I looked, I look like a joke in front of my kids because I smashed in my 80-inch TV. I didn't go that far. That's a lot of years of pain right there. Yeah, of course. Come on, we're allowed, man. But no, you said it, man. It's it's always more magnified because it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Those first three years. If you're sitting there and telling me that that was a colossal disappointment, that they couldn't get through Washington, who I believe won the President's Trophy that season, and that was Matthews, Marner, and Nylander's rookie year. If you're going to tell me that they should have gotten through Boston, as you alluded to, Lepore, they were still kids at the time. Their second and third years in the league, taking a Bruins team to Game 7 twice on the road and losing. If you're going to tell me that they should have broken through in those three series, you're nuts, honestly. And again, is it disappointing? Of course it is, because I think we can all agree the Leafs were good enough in both of those Bruins years that they could have won those playoff series. One of those series, they actually had a 3-2 lead coming back to Toronto for game six, and they couldn't get the job done. It was exactly like this series. They went up 1-0, 2-1, 3-2, and then lost game six and game seven. Exactly. But those three years... I don't think you can be very harsh on that team. You just can't. The three years that I have an issue with are the last three years. Yeah. The Columbus bubble series, the disaster 3-1 blown lead against Montreal last year, and then this year against the Tampa team where you're up 3-2 on home ice, not to mention Lepore, Braden Point, one oh, of the fuck. MVPs <sighs> of this Tampa team. You could say their three most important players are Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky, and then Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point. Those are like their four best players. And Steven Stamkos, not quite the same player he was, even though he had a 40-goal, 100-point season this year. The things that Braden Point does for that team, I mean, the, the guy does it all. He's incredible. He goes down, and you think, finally, this is the break the Leafs have been waiting for, and they still can't capitalize on that opportunity. No Braden Point. Tampa shuffling in their lineup scrambling a little bit, digging deep, trying to find a way to get through that game seven on the road. And the Leafs just couldn't take advantage of that. So to me, that was another element of the series that was extremely disappointing and extremely frustrating. But you said it, man. I mean, it's been six years now where this team has made the playoffs. Even look at Edmonton, Connor McDavid, who a lot of people would say is the best player in the world, even though Matthews is going to win the Hart Trophy this year. Connor McDavid Laporte missed the playoffs three times in his first seven seasons in the league. The player that we think is the best player, that most people think is the best player in the world, and I, honestly, I think he's the best player in the world as well, even though Matthews is going to win the Hart. Yeah. And a player who a lot of people say is already one of the most, is one of the best players of all time oh, yeah. from a talent and skill perspective. He missed the playoffs three times in his first seven seasons. So there's just a lot going on here. A lot of things you got to put in perspective. And it's like, are we going to blame Kyle Dubas for assembling Kyle Dubas? Or even if you want to go back to Lou Lamorello, are, you, are we going to blame them for assembling a team that, that was good? Well, the Leafs made the playoffs uh, all six years because they had a better team around them than these other teams. So are, are we going to... Is that a yeah, knock on the Leafs yeah. now that they had a they had such a good team that they made the playoffs all these years? So that's now somehow we're being more we're being more harsh on them. 
it's like, yeah. come on. It's not like those first three years they were ready to win the Stanley Cup. And even going met- back to like Columbus and the Columbus series, right? So there's a lot, there's just a lot going on, man. Yeah, we, this could be like a six-hour podcast. But you, met, you mentioned the point thing. I don't know if you saw it. Someone posted, I don't know when it was in the series, but they posted the underlying numbers of the point line. It's point Kaloran and Sorelli versus the Matthews Marner bunting line. And yeah. they were destroying Matthews and Marner in terms of like underlying numbers. Like they were keeping, they, they were keeping them at bay. And I mean, that's very hard to do. So I'm like mostly fans. And I, I thought about that stat when point went down. I was like, here we go. Here we go. Like, let's get this done. Let's take advantage. But again, God forbid, hashtag Leafs. One thing I will say, I will give credit where credit is due. Watching this game, this game seven, I mean, we're all fans, but you try your best sometimes watch the game as neutrally as possible. That game from John Cooper and the Lightning was a masterpiece. That game was a fucking Picasso. Picasso. Like I said, they kept it at 0-0 for as long as they could. They knew they would get their break. They executed when they got their break. Vasilevsky, like, again, he played well, but I'm not, I don't recall any, like, crazy five-star saves and sliding across and stealing goals away. I mean, our one goal came, uh, came on the rush. So it wasn't like it was like a dominant like uh, possession phase where the Leafs are hammering in shots, uh, pinning Tampa in. It just, I, I will say it, it never felt like we were going to score. It really and truly felt like we were like, and again, I hate to admit this, but at the second intermission, I knew we were done. I was watching this game, like Tampa is just too dialed in. And like, again, I didn't expect us to get the bounce and as, as that shitty as that sounds, but I knew like I, 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 I was praying to the gods at that point, just like something, something stupid happened. Like let a, a shock go off four people or I don't know. Maybe we'd get the five on three. Like, I don't know, but I was not confident going into that third period. Yeah. And, and Tampa scoring the first goal of the game was huge. And then, you know, obviously the Tavares goal being negated, but I, I felt like scoring that first goal would have been so, so huge. Lapore. Mm-hmm. you score that first goal on home ice it just it's like an avalanche towards the other team because the crowd gets into it your team is feeling extra confident you're playing a little bit more loose yeah you go down you go down one nothing on home ice in a game 7 immediately you start to tighten up a little bit it's just natural right and it mm. just felt like the leafs were kind of just chasing the game the whole time That's and i've seen it too it. many times this year now where you know, and, and again, the Leafs are, are very much like the Florida Panthers. Everyone likes to call Florida the cardiac cats. They always come back when they're trailing. The Leafs can pull off the same sort of magic. They can yeah. be down 2 3 nothing in a game and come back to win. But you can't do that in a game seven. You can't fall behind and chase a game seven. You're just asking for trouble. And I felt like it just happened too many times to the Leafs, you know, specifically in, in game six and in game seven, where they're just in these situations where they have to chase the game they're not necessarily um playing the way that they envisioned playing the game heading in like in terms of their game plan because once once you're you're down a goal and you're chasing the game things change your mindset changes um the decisions sheldon keith is making behind the bench changes and it's like you said heading into that third period i think a lot of people in leafs nation 
felt the same Lapore. They just had this uneasy feeling like, man, man, this is, this is, this is going to be very difficult to pull off. And, you know, kudos to the Tampa Bay lightning. It's like you said, it was a masterpiece of a game seven dudes just flying everywhere, blocking shots. Oh yeah. Vasilevsky making every save he needed to. He was fantastic. I thought so. They're moving on and the Leafs are going home and we're all pissed off. For yeah, two game. two things before we move on. One thing is uh again, talk about like their their defensive zone play. It was reminding me of those Tortorella Rangers teams where they'd always create that line behind the shot. It's like Buck O'Reilly at the point or Nylander on the side, and you have two lightning players in the shooting lane at all times, and nothing could get through. Again, bravo to them. And, and the last point I'll make is you mentioned like the flow of the game and getting the crowd into it and Tampa taking the crowd out of it. A play that I'm kind of shocked is not getting more attention is Nylander missing that breakaway right after we tied the game. Because that, that I know it's easy to say that changes everything, but the Leafs get their goal. The crowd's going nuts. Nylander scores again quick to make it two to one. And we're probably going into the third up two to one. Tampa's freaking out a bit. The point injury, all that. Little things, man. But again, God, God forbid he would have picked the corner. No, he put it, put it over. And it's funny. He, Nylander's on that breakaway, okay? And he had a breakaway for a while. It was like before half, before center ice, I mean, I should say. And I yelled out loud, Bruno, because we've, we've joked on this show how Nylander and Ilya Mikheyev never score on breakaways. And a good friend of mine who's a Leafs fan, how he puts it is like, that's when I get up uh, to get a drink, when one of those guys are on a breakaway. And Nylander got that breakaway, and I yelled out loud, you haven't fucking scored one of these all year. Please do it now. Over the net. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Nylander, Unbelievable. I think fans. he had he 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 must have led the first round of the playoffs in missed breakaways. Yeah. Like he had like six breakaways in the series and did not score on a single one. And I, and you know, you look at his point total at the end of the series, he actually had a pretty solid series from a production standpoint, especially when you go back to games four five and six but my god i mean if the leafs could have just got one big goal in game six or game seven when it really mattered when it really could have swung the tide god forbid man so just so incredibly frustrating but lapore um we've already been talking for a long time so <laughs> i know like we gotta we gotta get this thing that. moving here yeah next up who's to blame mm. is there is there is there a player? Is there a coach, Sheldon Keith, that you want to blame? Is is it the officiating? Who is to blame? Is it Kyle Dubis? Who is to blame for another first round exit? This one, and we we mentioned earlier on the pod that this one feels a little different than previous years. And what I will say is. For me, anyway, the reason why it does feel different is because there's not something to immediately circle, or at least a few things to immediately circle. Those early, the two losses to Boston in the game sevens, Freddie wasn't good enough. You had the Jay Gardner nightmares. People were circling uh, Babcock. People wanted Babcock's head after that second one. So it was easy. It was an easy discussion. When we lost to Columbus, if I'm being perfectly honest with myself and our listeners, I just didn't think that team was very good. Like, like Tyson Berry was never a good fit. Like Cody CC. Like that was a me, weird season, man. Yeah. Again, the COVID thing, the bubble. Like yeah, I just, that, that comes year. in halfway through, like it was just, 
you know, yeah, they got off to that horrible start under Babcock. I, I agree. I, I didn't think that was a great team either. Yeah. And then like, like last year, we had the obvious things of the Galchenyuk giveaway, the Dermot giveaway, and uh, Matthews and Marner not showing up. So it, again, it was easy. This time, our goaltending was a fine, good, however you want to put it. It's not like we got killed where our D was running around. That's another thing. People always circled the D in, in previous. Oh, I thought the D uh, was player. very solid. Yeah, the, 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 the D was fine. Um, the stars showed up. So to me, there's no immediate thing to circle, which I guess is a good thing because, it, I mean, it's less drastic of a take. And then there's not, you know, like the idea of, oh, let's blow it up or whatever. But one thing I will say is you know i'll make two points number one i'll talk about something at the top and then something not so much at the top i am not blaming him for the game seven loss by any stretch of the imagination but austin matthews had to be better in game seven he had to be better and again i'm not placing the blame on him i'm just saying you are the man you are paid 11.6 11.6 whatever million dollars a season, 60 goal score, Rocket Richard winner, Hart Trophy, and Ted Lindsay nominee. You got to be the man in the game. And I'm not saying he was bad. As you mentioned, he got the, uh, the helper on that Riley goal. But you got to take over. And I remember, I think it was actually a discussion about uh, who the Leafs captain was going to be uh, back in the day with Chris Johnston. And Matthews came up and Chris Johnston, the way he put it, and I mean, whether these words came out of Matthews' mouth uh, itself or something, uh, a read Johnston got, but the quote was, Austin Matthews wants to be Kobe Bryant. He wants to be the Kobe Bryant of the NHL. Kobe Bryant was the man. You never had to worry about him showing up. Ice in his veins. Like he was a killer. They called him a killer killer you just knew you just knew lakers getting the ball lakers late in the game who's getting the ball kobe is and he's gonna beat you and we didn't get that from matthews and again that's not me blaming him from the for the loss i mean in one game anything can happen i'm just saying that's what we lacked yeah and you needed more absolutely you needed more from matthews and i mentioned this earlier in the show if you've made it this far Thank you very much for listening to us for the last 50 minutes. (laughs) But I said this earlier in the show that, you know, just look around the NHL. Johnny Gaudreau scores the OT winner for the Flames in game seven. Artemi Panarin, $11 million man, scores the OT winner for the Rangers. Connor McDavid played over 27 minutes and was an absolute monster in that game seven against the Kings, while Leon Dreisaitl, was not 100%, and I don't know if he's even going to be 100% at all throughout this uh, Flame series coming up in the Battle of Alberta. But you look at all these star players. They all came through in the clutch. And Austin Matthews, I'm, there's still a little bit more I want to see from him in, in that Game 7. And he knows so, it. He knows it. He knows it too, right? Yeah. Like, there wasn't a moment. And listen, he had some looks where he could have scored and he could have swung the game but I, I needed to see a little bit more from Austin Matthews. And yeah. honestly, even for Mitch Marner, for that matter. And, and again, I thought they both played well throughout the series. But in a game seven, 
when you need someone just to take over and, and bring you home, I would have liked to see a little bit more out of those guys. Again, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say to ship these guys out of town or anything insane like that, but it would have been nice to see those guys step up and, and deliver when the Leafs needed it most. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I want to touch on was the depth. I mean, I thought McKayev was shit in this series. Like he had a good year. And again, he's going to get paid this summer. But like, I thought he was terrible in this series. Just a total non-factor. The, I think what jumps out about this loss, and it's easy to say after a loss, and had we won, we wouldn't have this take at all. We'd all be cheering and think we were amazing. But the depth has to be better. As someone brought it up, they, they brought out the numbers. So Kerfoot has one five-on-five goal in 37 career playoff games. Uh, McCabe's played 19 career playoff games. Uh, minus is two empty netters. He doesn't have a goal. Uh, Engvall hasn't scored in 17 playoff games. Kasha has two goals in 31 playoff games. I mean, that's not good enough. And where I put the pressure on there is the management. We constantly hear the Leafs have all this money. They have all these assets. They have the biggest, best scouting department. I want to see it. I want to see some of these kids break through and make a difference. Kids that go through the Leaf system that come in on entry-level deals and have impact right away. And because of the lineup we have and the core we have, we don't need them to be dominant players. We don't need them to be absolutely dominant players. We just need them to be solid and give us a little more depth. And again, we're talking about a 115-point team. But now, like, again, like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Teams have realistic goals, right? For a lot of teams, make the playoffs, win around, whatever. Like, and you have to be realistic based on where you are compared to other teams. I hope every offseason, this, t- this uh, organization, the 12 rich guys at the roundtable, go in saying, how do we win the Stanley Cup? Like, we have a 60-goal scorer. Mitch Marner, had he played all the games, would have had 100 points. We went out and got John Tavares. The goal is to win the Stanley Cup. So that was the second thing I had. The, it's, it's that depth with that punch. And it's got to come through the organization. At least I'd like to see it come through the organization. And my expectation it is, again, because of all this bragging I hear, now that I'm shitting on my own organization, about how amazing we are and how deep we are and how much money we spend. Well, fucking show me. Yeah, I want to see Prove it. it. Simple prove as it. that. Yeah, let's see Prove it. it. Because look at this Tampa team, Lapore. Their stars didn't do anything in Game 7. Kucherov, Stamkos, point went down. I mean, Hedman's Hedman. He controls the game in Vasilevsky. But I'm talking about offensively. Their stars offensively didn't do anything in Game 7. It was Nick Paul. I mean, repeat, Nick Paul was the Game 7 hero. And you nailed it, man. The depth on this team, as good as it was throughout the season, was not good enough in this series. Like, did anyone score a big goal when it mattered? Any of these depth guys? I was going to say. Even Bonding had a bad series. Yeah, it's like score one fucking goal in a big moment. Like, again, Matthews and Marner, yes, did we want them to step up and perform a little bit better in the last couple of games? Of course. Would we have loved for them to take over game seven? Of course. But would it kill anyone? My God, if one of these depth guys, like I said before, if they just shot a puck off someone's ass and it went in, like, just someone put the goddamn puck in the back of the net. On the point of the moment. stars, I thought Kudrov actually had a shit second half of the series. Like, he scored that goal five on three, but whatever. Like, he, his body language didn't look good. He didn't look fast. 
I think he had a, a good second half of the series at all. But I'll ask you, and this is kind of funny. So Nick Paul scores those two goals. Who would be like the Leafs equivalent to Nick Paul? Like Kasha or Kampf or yeah, something? It would be it would be Kampf or Kasha. I mean, you could maybe even Engvall put Mikheyev in that in that same category. I mean, I'm just going down the list. It's basically or Spezza for that matter. Yeah. Then again, like Nick Paul plays more minutes than Jason Spezza, right? Right. The the point I want to make is imagine we were sitting here, the Leafs won game seven, two to one, and like Kampf scored two goals. Like that's like crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that, that's crazy talk. Yeah, number one, us winning. No, number two, like Kasha or Kampf or like Bunting being the guy to do it for us. Just, it's just yeah, funny, it just seems but. like so far fetched and just like yeah, like I never never did I like throughout that whole game. Like I just couldn't envision any of those depth guys like stepping up and doing what Nick Paul did. Yeah, and it's like it's and Nick Paul's like he's not even that good. But yeah. but he he came through in the clutch. Yeah, I remember and having I, an I, argument. Go ahead, like, bro. Oh, it's just it's brutal, man. I remember having an argument, like an argument, like having the discussion with Sens fans because he was liked here. He was liked in Ottawa, and again, like like he he's a fine player. But the rumors going around about uh, the type of contract he was going to get: eighty games played, sixteen goals, sixteen assists, like whatever i mean fine he's a fine player but there's rumors of like you know four times four four times five i'm like no no no, sans fans like you, you don't want that here he is scoring two goals in a game seven laporte then, he has never had more than 20 points in a season in the nhl now i will say he's never played a full you mean before this year or sorry yeah before this year because yeah. this year he comes over he this was like his first full 80 game season he played mm-hmm. 80 80 on the nose so didn't play a full 82 he had 32 points before that, 20 points, 20 points, two points, one point. His rookie year, he had five points. So, you know, this isn't some, like, unbelievable depth player. You know, yeah. I, I I would take Ilya Mikheyev, Andre Kasha from an offensive standpoint. Jason Spezza, for that matter. I'd take all three of those guys from an offensive standpoint over Nick Paul. Yeah, Maybe I think until too, now, after watching what he did in this series. I think, goodness. too, we, we'd have to dig it up. I don't know why we're talking about Nick Paul, but we know why we're talking about Nick Paul. But I think he must have gotten a lot of assists since that deal with Tampa because I remember him kind of being like that Cy Young guy. Like he had like 13 goals, six assists or, or something, like something weird. So I think he was very assist heavy since he got to Tampa. I mean, he's playing with really good players. But anyways, let's move on from the guy who killed our hopes and dreams. Yeah, I mean, we gotta we gotta quickly go through this here. So, what changes need to be made? Because there's been a lot of hot takes out there saying blow ah. up the core, <laughs> fire Sheldon Keith, fire Kyle Dubis, Shanahan's gone. They can't get it done. I'll just start off quickly by saying I don't think that they should blow up the core. I think it would be a, a colossal disaster. Now, saying that, Lapore, I would listen if someone's calling me about. John Tavares, for example, um, even William Nylander, for that matter. Like, if someone's calling me and inquiring, I'm picking up the phone and I'm listening, and I'm saying, "Hmm, yeah, yeah, what's the what's the possibility here? Like, what are we talking about? What what would a trade look like? Can that help our team? Especially John Tavares, and I understand he has a no movement clause. It's going to be extremely difficult to trade him, but you know, just thinking about freeing up that eleven million dollars and deploying mm-hmm. that throughout the roster." 
That's very enticing to me, and I get it. John Tavares stepped up big time Fucking the last right couple did. of games. You know, when a lot of people were shitting on him, when Laporte, when me and you were shitting on him to a certain degree as well, like he he did not look good that the first half of the series, but the last two games, shout out to the captain, John Tavares. He stepped up. Yeah, he but gave say, everyone a big fuck you in those later games. Yeah. But saying that, it's like I said, man, I'm listening. I'm listening. If someone's calling me and they're saying, is John Tavares available? Is William Nylander available? I'm going to listen. I'm not trading Matthews or Barner. I'm not Stupidity. like Morgan. I, I, I thought Morgan Riley had a really nice series. You can disagree with me if you want. I, I'm a huge Morgan Riley fan. But if there's maybe a way to free up some cap space and try something a little bit different, I'm on board with that. And then also, Lepore, one other thing. I have been warming up to the idea of potentially bringing in Barry Trotz. Whoa, let's go. I have been, I've been the Islanders just, the Islanders just promoted their assistant uh, coach to head coach, by the way, I got the alert. And there you go. There you go. I I'm warming up to it. I'm not a hundred percent on board because I think Sheldon Keith has actually done a nice job with this team. Like people forget this was Sheldon Keith's first full 82 game season as head coach of the Leafs. And he led them to a 115 point season. Yeah. So Say what you want about Sheldon Keith. He's only been here essentially for two and a half years. And last year against, you know, last year in the shortened season, they were really good, won the division this year, 115 points. And I understand he's tied to Kyle Dubas, but I don't know. I, I think Kyle, this is, this is a coach in Barry Trotz where he's, he's one of like three to five coaches where when they're available, almost any team in the league outside of like, Tampa, who has John Cooper, I think would have to consider honestly bringing in Barry Trotz to coach their team just based on his track record and what he's been able to do with a lot of different teams and bringing them a lot farther than people think. So that, yeah, yeah that, that I'll, I'll just leave it off on that. I, I think that it's enticing to me. Yeah. So, speaking uh, of coaches, we'll over to Barry Trotz. DeBoer just got fired. So that's uh that alert just came wow, in. That's there a, you that's, go. That's another, another one. Guy. But again, the, the point I make, and I'm just like throwing it out there. Okay, Trots, the success and all that. We said that about Babs. And I, I think I think you hit the nail right in the head where, and like I don't think, I, I think most people would agree with this. Keith and Dubas are tied together. I think the day one of them goes, they both go. And it'll, it'll be like, it'll be like a new wave. In terms of changes, I mean, here we are losing in the first round, whether it was to the Tampa Bay Lightning or not in seven games. This was a 115-point team. The only things you could suggest are things that aren't necessarily realistic. <laughs> like to make, oh, we, we should go out and get Victor Hedman, who's probably my like top five favorite players in the league right now, the way he played against us, like unbelievable player. But 115-point team, a young team. The changes, I mean... We have to figure out the goaltending because Mrazek is still there and Campbell is a free agent. Um, I think they're going to do everything in their power to blast Justin Hall into the sun. Now he took a lot of shit this year and during the series and he did better the second half of the series. But I just think in an ideal world, Sandine, Lilligren, they're in the lineup. I think a lot of people are hoping uh, Geo resigns if it's like one of those hometown Toronto discount deals that Simmons and uh, Simmons and Spezza signed up for. So we'll see. We'll see there. 
And in terms of the kids next year, in terms of the depth, like we're going to lose Mikheyev, but like I stand now with Robertson where I stood with Sandine and Lilligren last year, Robertson's got to make the team. Like Robertson has to be in the team next year contributing like enough is enough now. And then one of those other guys, is it, I mean, knees or like Abruzzese or one of them, like it's not going to be Amarov because of his health issues, but we need someone to come in and contribute. Like those are the changes. And I mean, here I am talking about like prospects and hoping they come in and do well. I mean, every team's hoping for that. But again, when, when you're 115 point team, there's no, there's nothing major you, you can really say that would make any sense. I mean, in an ideal world, we would have a 30 minute number one defenseman and an all world goalie. So that's it. Those and those players don't grow on trees. Yeah. And you can't I mean, just make a phone call and be like, well, uh, we're going to trade John Tavares for one of the top three goalies in the NHL. Like it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Maybe Dallas will give us Ottinger. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. They're going to be like, give us Austin Matthews. Did you see what Jake Ottinger just did in this series yeah. in that game seven? Yeah, Austin we'll, Matthews is our asking price. We'll, for we'll, t- we'll take Matthews Marner and Scotiabank Arena as, as our new practice facility for, uh, <laughs> for Ottinger. Jesus. Jeez, man. No, but you said it. It's it's small changes, in my opinion. And again, like I said, I'm listening. If there's going to be a big splash, I'm picking up the phone if I'm Kyle Dubas and I'm I'm exploring at least what's out there. But it's the periphery, you know, of this roster. Like, they got to find a way to replace Mikheyev, who scored at a 30-goal pace this season. And who knows? Maybe he's going to re-sign, but... This guy wanted to take off last season. It's true. And maybe he's just going to go and chase the money somewhere because the Leafs aren't going to be able to pay him very much. Yeah. And then just looking at their cap situation, Lapore, um, well, obviously Spets is a UFA, Colin Blackwell's a UFA, Labushkin. Andre Kasha needs a new deal. Would you bring back Labushkin? Um, I think so. See- See, he's I, a UFA I, as well. And same with yeah. Giordano for that matter. Yeah. See, like, like I, I made the point to someone. Labushkin, like, I mean, he hit people. He was kind of intense. I mean, his underlying numbers are terrible. What does he actually contribute? I mean, we'll have, we could have a debate about that. But I'd be okay with Labushkin kind of like in Hall's spot. Yes. Like for what he does and what he brings, like, yeah, just be just be down there. But like they had him playing with Riley, like yeah, that 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 wasn't good enough. Like, no. come on, guys! Like that's where I was getting a little frustrated. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, I, I wouldn't mind him coming back in a depth role. Honestly, even Jordano for for that matter, if he's going to come back on a cheap contract, you have to take that. You have yeah, to. you you got to bring Jordano back. Like, I don't know if he's going to pull a Jason Spezza and be like, all right, I'll play for nothing, seven hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, and this guy's made a lot of money in his career. Maybe that's the case with Giordano, and he's just like, ah, whatever. I'll, I'll just sign for like a million, couple million. Who knows, right? But I, I would definitely welcome both of those guys back. But again, you said it. You can't have Labushkin playing with Morgan Riley. Yeah, it's not I'm sorry. Work. That's just not. That's just not gonna work. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it with that Lapore. I mean, we're basically right at the end of this podcast here. I don't want to get into this too much in detail, but. We're in the second round of the playoffs now. Just give me your four teams that you think are going to advance to the four teams four. to advance. Um, okay, maybe I'll throw in games really quickly. Um, well, I'll say it right now. I had it from the beginning. I have Colorado winning the whole thing. I think it's their year. Uh, I think the Blues will be their hardest test, most likely. 
uh, I will say Colorado gets it done. I'm going to say it goes seven. I'm going to say the abs in seven. Calgary, Edmonton. Sit back and enjoy the show, everyone. I'm very excited for this series. I will be staying up late every night to watch this series. That's a tough one for me because there's that part of me that's like Calgary's the obvious choice, but that emotional thing with Edmonton, like for me, it's like Montreal had a better chance against us than they should, than they normally would have. It was two teams with that gap just because it's Montreal and like there's more involved. And I think people know what I mean by that. So I'm going to say flames and six. I'm going to say flames and six, but I will not rule out Edmonton nipping them like McDavid just going bananas and nipping them. So I'll say flames and six, abs and seven. Moving on to the east. My immediate gut reaction would have been Tampa's going to beat Florida, but with point getting hurt and it didn't look good. And like I said, Kucherov's body language, not looking the greatest. Oh man, that's a tough one. I think it goes seven. I think that one goes seven. And I will say, mm, I'll say Tampa. I'll say, I'll say Tampa and seven. And then for the last series, we have the Rangers and Carolina. I will say uh, Carolina takes it in six. I like the Hurricanes. A lot of speed, a lot of uh, a lot of aggression in the way they play. Brenda Moore is the man, Rod the bod. So I say my final four are Colorado, Calgary. Uh, Who would I pick? <laughs> uh, uh, Carolina, Carolina and Tampa and Tampa. Yeah. All right, Lepore. Nice. Not hot done. takes, man. Colorado. Now I think, man. Start of the second round, they're only plus two hundred. Like that's how heavy of a yeah, favorite to win the Stanley to win. Cup. Yeah, like plus two hundred to win the cup. Insane. Yeah, and uh... I'll I'll quickly go through my picks. So sure. just to let you guys know, I went seven for eight in the first round. And and would you take a which wild... one did you lose, Bruno? Yeah, take a wild guess as to which team blew that for me. Yeah. Blew a perfect eight for eight first round. Yeah. Yes, of course, it was the Toronto Maple Leafs who disappointed us for. Like I said, the uh, I mean, it's not really six years in a row. It's been now since 1967. So man, half my yeah. life in a row. <laughs> Jesus, man. So well, yeah, they playoffs. screwed over my my perfect eight for eight. But uh, here's what I'll say for the second round. So I think Colorado's the best team in the NHL. But I did pick the St. Louis Blues to clip them when nice. I made my my playoff bracket. And maybe nice. that's just me trying to be a contrarian because I'm trying yeah. to win all these playoff pools that I'm in. And I knew that 95% of people would take the avalanche. Yeah. It's okay. But, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say the blues clip them. Nice. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say they take out the avalanche in six. Nice. Well, so they win it at home. Nice. So that's, that's my hottest take of the second round uh, sticking in the Western conference. I, I love the Calgary flames. I think they're mm. just an excellent, well-rounded team. Yeah. I think they they take care of business, and again, I think I think the Battle of Alberta and the emotions, and that's going to play be awesome. a big factor, just like it did with the Leafs and Habs last season. Um, but I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going to say Flames and Six. Okay. I think I think they get through Edmonton. I just don't think Edmonton's good enough, and I don't know how how healthy Drysital is going to be. That's going to be a big factor. But listen, Edmonton had a difficult time with the Los Angeles Kings. Now they're f- facing essentially a fully healthy Calgary Flames team that's playing with confidence. And I know Edmonton has confidence too. They've won a playoff series. But this Flames team is just is just a better team. So Flames in six. And then in the Eastern Conference, you mentioned it, Lepore, with the battle of uh, Florida here. Like, 
no Braden point is huge, but I've seen this team win a Stanley cup without Steven Stamkos. Yeah, true. <laughs> I've seen oh this God. team pull off some crazy shit over the past couple of seasons. I think Tampa's going to take out Florida. Yeah. I think they're going to take out Florida. I'm going to say, I'm going to say lightning in seven. Yeah. It's gonna Did, be, has there been an update on points injury? I haven't seen an update yet uh, at the time of recording. Who knows? Maybe by the time this, this is posted, we're going to have an update on that. It didn't look good. It looked like a groin or a hip. Yeah. Or it looked like yeah, he's probably going to be out for the series, but who knows? At least. Yeah. But I, I'm still going to take Tampa heart of a champion. And I, I think they're going to win in seven. And then in that Carolina, New York series, I think Carolina is a great team. I kind of look at them in the same light as I do Calgary. Like, I think they're kind of very similar. Just sure. Very good all around teams, but the Rangers are another team I had going to the, the going to the final four. So I'm going to pick the Rangers nice. to take out the Carolina Hurricanes, also in seven games. Lapore. Nice. I hope so. Let's get a lot more. The more hockey, the better. Let's go. Yeah, man. So uh, I got. I already forgot who I have as well. I have St. Louis. I have Calgary, New York. And Tampa Bay in the final four. Nice. We got some differences, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, I like it. We we switched it up a little bit. We're not all we're not on all the same teams, but Lapore, before we wrap up this podcast, anything else you want to get off your chest real quick? No. Like I said, I didn't want to go for five hours today, so I won't get everything off my chest. But it's that time of year, everyone. It's the second round. You're a Leafs fan. You can just be neutral and watch hockey and relax. I'm getting used to this. Right, just watching the games and yeah, having a good time as a hockey fan. Great, wonderful, awesome. I will say the Leafs going out. I mean, I'm not happy about this, but the Leafs going out saved me a whack of dough because uh I went to game five, which was amazing as fuck in Toronto, and then I was all amped up. I'm like, I'm going to one game in every round, whether it's five, six, or seven, I'm going. So you mean train ticket? We all know how expensive Leafs tickets are. Yeah, so I saved a whack of dough. I don't know. You know, Bruno, what do you what do we do? You want to get on a jet to uh, Madison Square Garden? Maybe go see a game there. It's not a bad idea, man. Hey, Florida, man. I'll I'll chill in Florida for a couple weeks. Yeah, let's go. Let's go watch Battle of Florida. (laughs) Yeah, that would be pretty sick. Tickets will be cheaper to the Leafs. That's for sure. The one thing I could tell you, uh, my girlfriend is pretty happy that the Leafs are out because uh, now I can actually uh, do things with her instead of. watching every single leaf game yeah, and being locked in and being a, a psycho nerdy leaf fan who has to watch every second of every game and listen to every word of the broadcast. And now uh, it's like you said, Lapore. now we can just relax and live our lives and enjoy playoff hockey and not stress and, and just be complete nervous wrecks for the next yeah. month or two. So that's so always a positive thing. My wife's funny. I've said a million times on this show that Kerfoot's her favorite player. So uh, she didn't have uh, a great game six watching that game. And uh, yeah, my wife's uh, she's a, she's a fiery woman. I mean, she was cursing at the TV, cursing at Cooper when he was celebrating a few F bombs. Uh, she's got a lot of passion and uh, I mean, she's a Leaf fan, right? So I mean, I apologize to her all the time for bringing this in our household. And my nephew came over for game seven. I got to apologize to him. This poor kid. Think, think of us, man. I mean, we can, we can at least avoid stuff. Here's this kid, nine years old. What's he got to do the next day? He's got to go to class. 
with recess, like all of his friends. His Tough. teacher, his teacher is a Colorado Avalanche fan. Oh, come on. This guy's from Quebec City and he was a little kid when they moved. So he became an Avalanche fan. So he's just ripping into him. And then, oh, he comes home. Where does he got to go? He's got to go to hockey and go in a locker room. Where everyone's just ripping into him. That's like, tough, board, man. man. That's tough. Me and you, we can just we can just chill, fly under the radar. Well, me, Block I'm the crazy on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm the crazy person who's still sending out tweets and posting videos and stuff. And you know, I'm taking heat from you know seven different fan bases at once. It seems, awesome. but uh, I love it, man. I love it. I, I love talking hockey with you guys. Lapore, I mean, we we love this stuff, man. Like, best man. Thank you guys for for listening all season long, following us as we track this Leaf team and gave you our thoughts every single week. And you know, it ended in another disappointment. But this isn't the end of the GFP podcast. We're still going to be pumping out some content throughout the playoffs. Yeah, man. We're obviously very disappointed that the Leafs did not move on. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what kind of podcast this is going to turn into? It turned into a Montreal Canadiens podcast last year. Maybe Lapore, it'll turn into a Calgary Flames podcast. Ooh, we love Flame. We love Flames fans, man. So. Maybe an Edmonton Oilers podcast. Alberta, let's do. Who it, knows? Ooh, Goudreau slash McDavid jersey giveaway. Ooh. Oh, Lapore, Lapore, you're getting me excited there. Yeah, you're maybe. getting the listeners and the viewers very excited uh... there. All right, man. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be here throughout the playoffs. So thank you once again um, for Michael Lapore. I'm Anthony Bruno. Please smash that like button, subscribe, all that good stuff. Five star rating and reviews on Apple and Spotify, and we will see you in the next one. Thanks so much, everyone. <laughs>